Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the After Show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon. We have over 15 years of literary experience between us. Our mission is to educate and assist authors of all writing levels. Um, Amy, so I'm very excited to have Randy Weir uh, with us today. Uh, Randy, how are you? I'm great. How are you both doing today? Hey, doing well. Yeah, yeah, doing great. Doing great. Um, we we definitely are very excited for you to join us today. So if you can tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. Sure, I'm a I'm I'm a independent author that lives in uh, Westminster, Colorado. I've been out to, in Colorado since the early '80s. Born and uh, raised in uh, Iowa, Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, got a wife, 23-year-old daughter, got a couple of dogs, got a motorhome, uh, love to be outdoors whenever we can, when the weather will cooperate here in Colorado. And we're not breathing a lot of smoke, because we seem to have a lot of fires out here the last few years. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Randy, so how did you start writing and stumble upon this particular wonderful, um, I'm going to say career, um, in writing because a lot of our listeners, they they aspire to be writers or they're currently writing. And one of our things is to, you know, if, you know we want to inspire, um, you know, anyone who wants to write. And so talk to us a little bit about your, your journey. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been writing since I was a teenager. I used to write a lot of poetry and things like that, and that goes back a lot of decades, more than I care to admit. Um, but the um, but I used to write to deal with teenage angst, and now I tell everybody I write to deal with middle aged angst. But I, I, I've always enjoyed writing. It's kind of been a therapy for me uh, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of get things off my mind, uh, whether it's you know bad things happening to me or bad things happening to the world. And uh, I wrote uh, quite a bit then, and then I got married, and I had a child, and kind of put it away for a long time, uh, you know, way before the days of independent publishing. And uh, I wrote a short story, uh, The Case of the Missing Bubblegum Card. Uh, I think it. I wrote it in the 80s and kind of just kind of sat it aside and uh, – decided, well, now that there was independent publishing, um, and I'd written like three novels as well, which have never been published, uh, couldn't get published, and they were probably pretty bad, um, also in the 80s. But I just uh, decided on um, independently publishing that uh, short story, and everybody said uh, the private eye in that series, Jarvis Band, wow, he would make a good detective. He's kind of your classic snarky, hard-boiled private eye, and uh, went on from there. And then went on from there, and I've had... uh, Nine books in that series so far. And each one of them is great, I must say. Uh, He's one of my favorite um, detectives that I read. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the, uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of the private eye genre. I, I, you know, I read, I I loved uh, Robert B. Parker, the Spencer series. Um, Mm -hmm. That's always kind of been a little bit my inspiration. But um, I've always enjoyed that genre going way back to the early, early days. And, you know, I've been compared to a lot of things. But 
I've always liked that tough, snarky attitude. And a lot of people ask me, you know, because you write the private eye genres, usually in first person. Usually it's through their eyes and everything. And everyone goes, is Jarvis, man, is that really you? <laughs> Are you? Is that you? Are you him? And I say, the humor, the sense of humor is definitely me. But I'm not nearly as tough as he is. And I'm certainly not the ladies' man that he was. And my wife would certainly attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that when we write something, people definitely want to attribute it to um, characteristics, you know, of the of the author. And so, you know, people, you know, they say um, my, one of my one of my characters in my my book, uh, Kindle. Oh, I can see Kindle in you, and I'm thinking, no, like she'll like she'll like stab you in the back in a minute. Like, no, that's not me. Like. So they want to kind of link, they want to find it because, you know, there's a saying, you write about what you know, right? And so you, so there's that out there in the universe, but it's like, but no, we're writers, we can research and we can write in such a way you think that we know it, um, but, you know, we had to research in order to gain the information. So um, I can definitely appreciate that because people say that all the time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and people ask about characters in your book, too, you know. Are are these people you know, are these characters? And you're like... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, not really. I might take little bits from people I know here and there, but, you know, you certainly don't want to get sued, right? So. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And just because you write about it doesn't mean you actually have done it. I mean, like, I write about serial killers, but I'm not a serial killer. Well, 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 well cool. that everybody yes. knows of. <laughs> yes, and I had a serial killer book, People, and people tell me, a lot of people say, wow, that's a really dark place. How did you How did you write that book? And I, and I did. I had to put myself in the mind of the serial killer. And a lot of times, yeah. um, I, my wife would attest to this, I had to get up at night because the plot line was going through my mind, and I had to get up in the middle of the night and get those ideas out of my head so I could get to yeah. sleep because – some of them were definitely not the uh, the most pleasant, and uh, same thing when I was doing a, a human trafficking book that I did in my other series. So, yeah, those yeah, uh, yeah. those things, uh, yeah, they're they're not necessarily things that uh, we've lived through. But uh, um, I know for me, I always wanted to write a serial killer book because they are fascinating. Yeah. They're scary as hell. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you, you go, you, you hope there isn't, their neighbor isn't a serial killer. And, you know, everyone always talks, they interview the neighbors and the neighbors, of course, well, of course I didn't know he was a serial killer. If I knew he was a serial killer, <laughs> I would have called the police, you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he always um, kept to himself, you know, and he, he dug a yeah. lot, his garden at, in the middle of the night, but, we didn't know yeah, he was a right. serial killer. Yeah, he was right. up all, all times of the night. We're not really sure. Randy, thank you for bringing that up to, to us because, you know, oftentimes, um, so people, so there's, there's this one character that uh, I write. His name is Dave Banks, and um, I had to become him. So it was a character uh-huh. I created, and I had to become him to say some of the crazy things that this character would say, because these are things I would never say to anybody. Um, and so I did. Yeah. I had to get into that space. And and every time I wrote him in any of my books, I had to go into 
some of the things that he would say, how he would act towards other people, and then I would have to get into the role of, you know, some of the other characters, some of the things that they would say. And so, you know, with the, my character, uh, Eliza, she's an older lady in her, in her 70s, and so I had to kind of put myself in a position, okay, so what would a 70-year-old uh, person do? like in this particular situation, you know, how would they handle it? And so you do have to put yourself, and I think those are those things, those key things that really make the whole plot believable. People invest in our characters, right, because we are, we're creating it from that place, and I've, I've been in the exact situation that you've been in, that i got to go ahead and tell this person's side of the story just so I can relax, because if not, I'm not going to get any sleep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You have no, to get it out of your brain onto paper. At least for me, I get it. Once I get it out of my head and on paper, I'm usually fine. Obviously, you go back through and you're editing and you're rereading yeah. stuff, and you'll sometimes revisit it. But yeah, that yeah. those initial thoughts. Like I said, sometimes that it is therapy for me. You know, as they say, you know, have you ever created a knew somebody and you created a character like them and killed them off in the book just because you're angry with them and stuff? So I've never gone quite that far, but you know, some some people talk about stuff like that and. That's a thing. Well, instead of actually killing them, I'll just create a character and kill them in a book, and then I'll feel much better. So I've done that. Sorry, I've done that. Yes. No, I haven't. The names have been changed to protect the innocent, right? Yeah. People ask me all the time. Well, people, so they say, so they'll call me up and go, "Hey, um, so I got something for you to put in your book. So let me tell you what just happened." And I go, hey, wait a minute, I'm not going to put it in my book. You can tell me, you know, I, I can create the crazy stuff myself without having to get somebody else's stuff uh, to put into my book. So, um, so Randy, tell us very specifically, um, you know, the book that you want to, that you want to promote today and um, uh, Lethal Blues and talk to us about the book and, um, also, we want you to, um, you know, you know, after you talk about the, the book and, and some, you know, great things about your your characters in the book, um, then we have an excerpt because we would definitely love to to get to to know you as a writer. Oh, and definitely, I wanted to say congratulations on this um, its release. It was just it was very recent, so congratulations on that. Yep, thank you. Yeah, it came out March 10th, and uh, yeah, Jarvis Mann, The Private Eye, and it's a nice book in the series, and I more or less retired Jarvis after the previous book, Man in the Crossfire. Uh, he had been through a lot, and I had started a new series, so I wanted to, uh, that new series, and after I did the third book in the new series, which dealt with the human trafficking, I said, I need a break from this series. I wanted to get back to Jarvis. He's a little more of a, you know, the snarky, a little bit of more humor. Um, it gets serious at times as well. And um, so I, I kind of use COVID as a backdrop to bring him out of retirement because mm. he has started a bar. And, mm. you know, a lot of bar people, bar owners and stuff, they really struggled during COVID because mm. you know, they got yeah. closed and they were opened and sometimes they had to mm. limit how many people and everything mm. else. So he kind of had to go back to being a, a private eye. And um, so he went and, and took a few small cases and then uh, a character from the very first book, uh, Dennis Gash, walked into his bar and wants to hire him. And so he's really excited about this. It's like, wow, 
And, you know, he's, well, he, he has a little bit of trepidation, too. He's excited about getting back, but not. And it gets into a, a friend of his uh, was mur- uh, killed, and he thinks it's a murder and another one's missing. And all three of these characters were from the original first book. So I kind of go back in time a little bit, bringing these characters. They've grown up. He's now a professional football player. Um, and it gets in deep. Um, and Lethal Blues deals with uh, – fentanyl issue which is a really bad issue here all over the country right now fentanyl is really bad the illicit form of fentanyl that seems to be everywhere and i got a lot of feedback from a uh, citizens police academy that i was in got to talk to the da got to talk to an undercover um, drug enforcement agent all that so i got a lot of feedback about you know the world of what they're dealing with and uh, they call fentanyl, um, they're blue tablets. They're called uh, smoking blues is what they do. So that's where mm-hmm. I came up with the title, Lethal Blues, and all that. So, um, But I can read a little excerpt here. Um, this one here, Jarvis is in a bar, and um, he is actually searching for a woman who may be connected to the murder. And um, I'll read from there. Hopefully my voice holds up here. <laughs> Excuse me. As a little cough, cough is kicking in here. Doing a lot of hard yard work today. <laughs> so anyway, here we go. So thinking over my last steps, I asked for a beer. The mug placed before me where I dropped a 20, telling the bartender to keep the change as a payment for calling me. I sipped on the suds, keeping an eye on the two. They weren't talking with each other, each, drink, each drinking a bottle of some type of alcohol. Blondie continued to watch. Laptop played with his phone. I wondered if thugs perused social media or played games on their phone, something to pass time before breaking bones. I was certain if I walked over there, they would both remember our last confrontation. I checked under my motorcycle jacket, feeling the bulge of my 38, hoping I wouldn't require the weapon, but knowing I needed to go over and find out why they were looking for Magnolia. I swallowed down the last of my beer, flipped off the stool, and sauntered over, readying my first line. I hear you two are looking for a woman, I remarked with a grin. I pointed at Flattop. I imagine you're strolling through eHarmony to find your soulmate. (laughs) Flattop glared up at me and a confused look on his face. Come on, boys. I doubt you'll find Magnolia there. I've been looking for her as well. Maybe we can help each other. Blondie turned his body and slid out of the booth, moving to within a couple feet of me. Don't I know you from somewhere? Hmm, I put a finger to my cheek. My picture isn't on the dating app, so that ain't it. But we might have tangled in the past. Flattop's eyes lit up and he slid out of the booth. You're the one who screwed up my knee a few years back. Damn, you're right, boys. I'd forgotten all about that. How are you two doing? You idiot. It was a year before I could walk without a limp. Still hurts like hell when it's cold and wet outside. Maybe we should walk him outside and see about evening the score, added Blondie. The frightening stare of them both didn't scare me. If you two recall, I was only defending myself, which I can do again if necessary. But maybe we can help each other out and find Magnolia. The question is, why are you looking for her? None of your effing business, yelled Blondie. Even in the noise of the pub, people turned around wondering what was going on. Too many witnesses being my best defense. Are you two still working for Powers? I had my hands on my hip, one near my gun just in case. Blondie repeated his last statement. Apparently it was a two-for-one happy hour. 
I suspect you still do, unless you, he canned you for getting your butts kicked by me. I opened my coat to show them my gun. You know, I know you two are armed. So am I. Let's keep it civil, as I don't want anyone in the place to get hurt. If Powers is looking for this girl, I'd be happy to discuss it with him and only him. I might have information that will prove useful. Flattop looked me up and down. Maybe he can be of some use. After a moment of contemplation, Blondie nodded. How do we get a hold of you? I pointed my finger at my back pocket, making sure they understood I was going for my wallet. I pulled out a business card and set it on the table next to me. He can call my business number and we can arrange a meeting. We'll pass on the info, said Blondie, but that don't mean we won't be looking to even the score down the road. I started walking backwards, holding my hands up, trying not to trip over anything on the way out. I'm all about love and peace these days, gentlemen. I made the front entrance and blew them both a kiss. I don't think this lessens their anger toward me in the least bit. And that was it. Thank you very uh-huh. much for that. I always love it when I can, you know, I read your work, but when I can put an author's voice to uh-huh. their story, the kind of it, it makes a really big difference. And, um, you know, and I can look back and it's like hearing you uh, read it, you know, it, it makes it come more alive, I must say. Yeah, I wish I could do audiobooks myself, but I don't quite have the time and thing else. And, I, and I'd love to get more audiobooks out too, but they're, they're such a long and yeah process to, long to process. get them created, and can be, and can be expensive too. Yeah, it can. And finding the right narrator—that's a really difficult thing to do. To, you know, that fits yeah, with a, your story. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you want somebody that has that kind of. They kind of have to have that attitude, you know, like I said, but the attitude is definitely mine. So I'd love to do my own audio books and maybe someday, maybe I might, but. Uh... No, I think this is uh, definitely great. Um, so <clears throat> as you think about, as you think about what's next for your author life, what's, what's next for you? <clears throat> Well, I'm working on um, book four in my other series, the Divine Devil series, right now. And then I've got, um, I kind of have a little teaser at the end of uh, Lethal Blues on the next book in the Jarvis Mann series. And that one will come after that. Um, I'm about uh, maybe halfway through the next Divine Devils book, which will likely wrap up that series. Um, And then... Um, I will go go on from there, and then I have a couple of other ideas of some books. Um, like like I said, there'll be a tenth book for the Jarvis Band series. I don't know that I'll do uh, be any more Divine Devils, but we'll see. And then I have some other ideas of possibly some characters. I've had some people like I've got a lawyer in the Jarvis Band series, and he's actually shown up in the Divine Devil series. Uh, Barry Anders. That uh, a lot of people say, oh, you should use him. He's kind of a kind of a slimy lawyer. And uh, I've had a couple of people say, oh, he would make it be great to read a book. But I just don't know if I have the legal chops to do a lawyer series. I would need a lot of uh, consulting help on that. Uh, but it's it's yeah. kind of one of those things in the back of your mind that would be good. You know, I enjoy the Lincoln Lawyer series that uh, Michael mm-hmm. Connolly does. It's really, mm-hmm. really good series. And I've been reading a lot of that. So uh, there's always a possibility. But I've, there's some other characters that I might explore and. 
And there may be more Jarvis Mann books, too. I enjoy writing that. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> character. Yeah. I, I enjoy writing him. He's he's fun. If I can come up with the good, the right ideas um, to continue the series, uh, you know, I don't want to just write books to write books, but if I've got the right storylines and – um, and, and I know in this case with COVID and, and fentanyl, this really worked well. And the next book, yeah. um, it's going to deal with uh, something that uh, I think is going to be uh, interesting um, to cross over in uh, as well. And I might even, you know, I, I've kind of brought the, I have two main characters, Jarvis Mann and one, and Hunter Divine is in the Divine Devil series. And I wrote a little short snippet that's on my website where the two meet in, in Jarvis's bar. Uh, inadvertently, and so you know, you never know. You might might cross over and bring them together in a book. It, it, um, but I like when fortunately there's do always that. lots of ideas. Oh yeah, I like it when 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 that happens. You know, you mention somebody or you bring a character in from a totally different series. You know, I I know that uh, you know Stephen King does that or mentions it. Um, so I've been on a Stephen King kick reading and watching all of his movies. Um, so that just kind of like stood out in my mind. But I really, um, I love your work. I So, um, you know, whenever you finish, just keep sending my way because, um, I, like I said, I love reading your characters. I fell in love with Jarvis Mann from the first book that I read of his, um, you know. And I think I've read... Um, all the books that you've had published out so so far. Mm-hmm. So um, you keep spitting them out, and I'll keep reading them for you. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate you've got Lisa Blues as your book of the month this month on your website too, which was yep. which was great, and I I certainly appreciate that. It's uh, I, I've always I say it, it's it's for me it's uh, it's it's enjoyable. It's it's not hard. I've you know, I know authors sometimes have, talk about having, um, you know, writer's block and stuff. And honestly, I, uh, knock on wood, I've never really experienced that. When I have an idea, it goes, and I'm a really much a, a big streak writer. I'll write a whole bunch all at once, and then, bang, I'll stop for a while, and I might even have to go back and reread, and I might don't do anything. But I generally write when I'm inspired to write, and that's the nice thing about being an indie. I don't have any really major deadlines other than people going, when's your next book out? You know, fans <laughs> want your next book out right away too. But yeah. um, but for me is I, I, I don't feel any pressure to write. I do it when I'm ready to write, which I enjoy. Mm-hmm. And and you seem to be having um, a growing fan base. I mean, I've seen from your social media and how you you know you do book signings and go to conferences, and you really um, you you get your 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 book out there and you know and and tell people about it. And it's some things that a lot of authors they just they don't take the time to market or promote their work. Um, and I, um, you know, I, I'm glad that we finally have you on our show. Um, and, but, you know, it's just, um, you know, they think that if I write it, somebody's, you know, people will read it, but people can't read it if they don't know about it. Do you? Well, there's um, just so many, so many, so many people out there putting out books these days. So, yeah, it's a lot of competition. And I do a lot of craft fairs. You know, I do book book events. You know, I've won a few awards, which has been really nice. 
Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things you, you got, and I enjoy interacting individually with people. You know, I'm not a big crowd person. You know, a lot of authors mm-hmm. are somewhat introverted and stuff. I've gotten yep. better over time. But, yeah, it's, you, you do Who have to get out there. The and phone. <laughs> yeah, you got to flush. You got you to gotta shake hands and, and, and press the flush and talk to people and stuff and get it in front of them. And I have pretty good luck. If, if I can get it into people's hands to read it and try it, if they like those, that, those type of books, I usually get a, a pretty good follow-through and, and I get a lot of uh, – positive feedback, which is always nice. Well, you have this, um, you know, I mean, it's your your talent for writing, your passion, um, it comes across, you know, through your work. I mean, you don't just write to throw words on a page, you know, um, I read so much that I can tell when someone's put, you know, they just have this natural talent for telling stories or, um, and there's a lot of passion behind the words. And then there's some that it's just words on a page and, you know, you know, kind of like one note type of thing. So I can truly see your passion um, for your characters, for, and I see them as people. I don't even really see them as characters because they're 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 people um, in your stories. So um, I am. It's it's been a great honor just to be able to talk to you on the phone. We've only communicated through email. <laughs> yes, it's nice to finally talk after all these years. I think I know. I'm going back to about 2016, 15 or so when that first book came yeah. out. So yes, we. Yeah. We've never talked other than and through emails and stuff. Oh, that's and wonderful. I, yeah. You know, so Amy and I, we have the same type of uh, relationship. I've never met Amy in person. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I've never. Mackenzie's my best friend. <laughs> yeah, and... Yeah. I was connected with her when I published my very first book, and I did a hybrid. And so the publishing company, um, I, I did some marketing um, with them because I, I had no idea what I needed to do next. And so they connected me to Amy. And so I had a show on another um, on another network, and so um, so we kind of meshed there so I invited her to my to my show and then uh, and the rest is history <laughs> yep. we've been doing this since well, 2019 but it was a uh, over a year that we were working on it before we kind of mm-hmm. came up with the concept but mm-hmm. yeah it's really interesting how um, we can come together in, in community yes absolutely well, well, and a lot of big people, you know, obviously with COVID, a lot of stuff, a lot of, I think there's a lot of people out there that uh, uh, haven't met or maybe didn't meet until later on and stuff and are running businesses. I met with someone at the event I did this last weekend here in, in Denver, the Readers Take Denver uh, author event, and they, they were an, it was an audio book company, and uh, the two ladies that were talking to us about this, I was talking to them about creating an audio book, and they were first, <laughs> that was the first time they'd ever met in person, too, at that reader's event, even though they'd worked together for se- several years. So. Yeah, yeah. Randy, thank you so much for being our guest on the show. The listeners can find your information on our website, Call Our Guest. 
Thank you for listening yeah, to the you. I appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. Thank you I'm so much. And I'm Amy Shannon, and thank you for listening. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye.